Welcome to Beyond Gameplay. I'm Kelly Dunlap. Hi there, and welcome to the very first episode of Beyond Gameplay. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly Dunlap. I'm a psychologist, a game designer, and I work as Director of Mental Health Research and Design at iThrive Games. I'm really stoked to be doing this podcast. One, because I love podcasts, but two, because I get to talk to some brilliant and creative and talented individuals and do geeky deep dives into the humanity at the core of games. Each month on Beyond Gameplay, we'll be diving into a different topic. So our first topic is empathy, games, and empathy games. Empathy is a bit of a buzzword right now in the games industry, and there's a lot of discussions going on in the games space, the education space, and the mental health space about how games can be a tool for teaching and practicing empathy. But what is an empathy game? In the words of my esteemed colleague, Raphael the Ninja Turtle, You gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. We first need to understand the construct of empathy before we can understand empathy games. Empathy is a complex psychological construct, and although we all have a feeling of what empathy is, it's really hard to pin down and and scientifically discuss. And that's an important step for us to be able to dissect what is an empathy game, what needs to be there. To help me break it down, I spoke with Dr. Gabby Schlichtman. She's an applied developmental psychologist and lectures at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, where she teaches a course on the role of emotions in human development and learning. Dr. Gabby is also the executive director and chief scientist at the nonprofit EdTogether, which empowers youth with disabilities to thrive academically and in life. To get things started, I asked Dr. Gabby if she could give an overview of what empathy even is. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. Um, But it's a really, in that way, so that's a short statement, but it's really a complex skill that has both cognitive and emotional processes um, that when you think about how a child develops actually follow different but related paths. So emotional empathy is the vicarious experience of feeling what another person feels with compassion, right? So it's like the actual feeling of walking by a person who's homeless on the street and you might imagine that she's cold, sorrowful or distressed and you might even feel that vicarious sense of hopelessness, right? And some sense of resulting compassion for her. That's emotional empathy. Emotional empathy is sharing the feelings of another person. And um, this is the kind of empathy that we tend to think about most often. So what is what is the process for cognitive empathy? So it's the awareness and understanding of your own and others' points of view. But in order to be able to take pro-social action around that, experience of empathy, then you have to coordinate those two together. Both cognitive emotional empathy, the way we described it, perspective taking and developing the vicarious experience, um, being able to vicariously experience the emotions of another person, are kind of like language. They both come online. We have the capacity from them to do them fairly early on. Um, So through exploratory experiences, you can enhance and enrich a person's competence for perspective taking and their ability to experience the feelings of another person, but they're not gonna become empathetic in the sense of being compelled to take action and connect with another person deeply if you don't work to connect those two together. 
And that is more like reading. It needs explicit support. So we're born with the blueprints that we need, um, but we need practice to build upon them. So my follow-up question is, how do you make someone care? Uh, Because caring and empathy are two different things. Right. So, I mean, this is like the holy grail question, right? (laughs) (laughs) Only easy questions on this podcast. Um, Well, I think the, the act of caring, right, that's the action part. That's being empathetic as opposed to having empathy, right? So I can certainly like teach and enrich, you know, your ability to take perspectives like you were just describing in a social emotional learning curriculum. People read narratives. I work on what is the perspective of this character and I deconstruct it as basically a cognitive technical analytic task, right? And then I, I, tr- I try to think about how another person might feel like connect it to my own personal experience. Um, and that might generate um, similar feelings to another person. Um, the part where you have to teach and support a person to, to have that act of caring, right, which is the action, the act of caring to be compelled to action, is the coordination of those two things. And most often, we just leave it open as an experience. I'm feeling what the other person is feeling and I have these like really rich gaming experiences that help me to really understand like on a sensory visceral level what another person is feeling, right? This sort of rich, media rich experience. And maybe I also am able to analyze the circumstances around those things, but it's the connection between the two, which might ex- might require some, well, will actually require some more explicit support to reflect to make explicit connections between why this is happening and how this person feels, you know? And this is actually especially true during adolescence um, because from a developmental perspective, the prefrontal cortex, which is so deeply responsible for, um, and the development of that area of the brain is so important for the development of those cognitive, you know, um, perspective taking skills is not very well interconnected with the areas of the brain that are primarily responsible for the emotional and motivational functioning. So not only um, do adolescents have these things as separate, like they're literally not well interconnected in the brain. So it might require some more explicit um, support in games, which can still be super fun, um, but you're actually uh, asking the person to connect their perspective and understanding of why something is happening with how they feel about it. I just want to flag real quick for any adults who have teens in their lives or any teens who might be listening that, you know, Dr. Gabby here has literally said there is a part of your teen brain missing. And so ride (laughs) that as far as you can. Totally. Made a mistake. Sorry, mom and dad. My prefrontal (laughs) cortex is still developing. That's right. And, and in fact, all the way up until like 25 years of age, those things are still working to become like deep, deeply interconnected. So yeah, ride that out as long as you can. <laughs> <laughs> but also then be grateful for your parents who might have the capacity to help you make those connections happen, right? Like those, those connections happen, not just because, um, not just because like you're developing and it's going to happen anyway, but because like you do the work, you do the work of life to make those things happen, right? Your brain is organized, not just by your genetics and, um, and your biology, but also by 
your experiences um, in the environment. And games can do that too. Can you give an example of a game that does it or how games do it? To be honest, I feel like games don't do a great job of coordinating. I think they do a really good job. There are games that do a very good job of the emotional part. And they're, because um, there can be so media rich in a way that like social emotional learning programs don't do because you have, in some ways, like your emotion system requires like the immersion of your senses <laughs> to be moved to that, um, to have that emotional vicarious experience, right? Like, and then on the cognitive side, like Edith Finch actually does a really good job of that in terms of allowing you to like explore and develop a narrative around the perspective. I'm just trying to think of a game that does the coordination well. Can you think of one? No. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's a really valid point. Um, because on one hand, there is a tendency for people who work in the games for change or social impact space to want to frame games as a way to solve like society's ills, like play this game and it's a it's a panacea. And that to me is one of the dangers of social impact, uh, of social impact games. Yeah. Is that they're being framed or, or put up to standards that we don't hold any other media to. Mm. and that they're inevitably going to fall short of. So what can mental health professionals or educators or especially developers do in order to build that connection between the, you know, the thinking and the feeling as well as the action? In the context of games, we have to map the design of the game to the kind of transformation that we seek for, for adolescents to have. So when we're thinking about social emotional learning around empathy, um, we want to think about both the kinds of discovery and exploratory experiences that we want kids to have in the context of games that enrich, you know, the perspective taking of, com of cognitive empathy and the sort of um, feeling, vicarious feeling of emotional empathy so that you're growing that, but also explicitly do the connecting between the two which by design requires more explicit constructivist kinds of gaming activities where we're asking kids to, in the context of a fun game, do tasks where they're explicitly constructing the links between those things through their actions and then providing them outside the game spaces where they can talk about their experiences and be supported to put those links together and then maybe even to take action around them, right, in their own lives. Yeah, that seems to be a, a common thread when discussing empathy, especially with people who are experts in empathy, is that the, the game itself is not enough. Yeah. You can't just sit somebody down in front of a video game and say, ta-da, you are now empathic. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we, we don't do that with any other medium. You know, That's we don't, right give a kid war and peace and have them read it by themselves and expect them to come out with all the themes and understanding. Exactly. And um, I think I often say that, you know, we don't really have deep learning, especially hard learning from experiences alone. We have to process those experiences and we can do some processing independently. And that's, that's possible, you know, with support in the context of a game, but the best kind of processing happens with other people because we're social beings by design like it's 
In fact, a lot of, um, of emotion researchers would say that, you know, emotions are, there aren't any emotions that aren't social. So to like work on building skills that's around something that's so emotional and social outside of the context of working on it with other people doesn't really make sense. I am now stuck trying to think of an emotion because I take that like there is no emotion that's not social. I take that as a challenge and I'm now like, trying, <laughs> trying to think about it. I'm going to, I'm going to keep thinking about it and see if I can, uh, probably won't be able to come up with anything, but it's a, it's an interesting intellectual thought. Yeah. Uh, thought experiment, I guess. Um, so our, our last question for the, the podcast, uh, is again, uh, a tough one. So I hope you're ready. <laughs> if you could design a game, any way you wanted to, you had unlimited resources to do it. How would you design an empathy game? Oh my gosh. Um, unlimited resources, <laughs> Un unlimited resources. I think that I would, let's see. I think that as we were talking about, I think that I would want to create, and this is what games already do. There are examples of games that do this really well, really rich discovery experiences where you're exploring the human condition um, in ways that allow teens to connect it with personal relevance to their own lives. Um, and then I would want them to be supported around a sort of constructivist experience with then some way to take action around that, you know? I would want to do it in a way that supports them to productively struggle, right? I think we pull away from negative emotions, but actually those negative emotions like I'm confused or surprise, like what just happened there? Those are things that can hook you into an experience are actually associated with deeper persistence around a hard topic when kids are supported in that context. I would want to like work towards creating a game that's hard, fun, where kids really struggle around things that are deeply relevant to their own lives, but you know, are difficult topics um, but also have the support around it to make social sense of it with their peers and and supportive adults. So what I'm hearing is experience, like play the game, experience the game, process the game, and then be able to take action on what you learned and experienced from the game. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sure. We'll do that. I'll order okay. two. <laughs> Done. <laughs> well gabby thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your just amazing expertise on all things empathy thank you this was a lot of fun i want to thank gabby once again for being on the show and sharing her knowledge and expertise on empathy in games games can support empathic play experiences but they're not magic the work of empathy is still on us as researchers and developers, we need to continue to work towards merging these different threads of empathy to foster experiences that spotlight our empathic instincts and facilitate integration through practice. Beyond Gameplay is a production of the iThrive Games Foundation, a 501c3 organization. 
For more information about how iThrive uses games and game design to prepare teens to thrive, visit us at iThriveGames.org. The show is hosted by me, Kelly Dunlap, and was produced by Sean Weiland with direction from Dr. Susan Rivers and Jane Lee. Our project manager, producer, and writer is I Am Trin. And our theme music is Mysteries and Inquiries by the noisy game maker, Ethan Goss Alexander, who also helped edit this episode. Marketing and PR was coordinated by Kat Wendt. Special thank yous to Will Williams, Jonathan Elmergreen, Sierra Martinez, and Jess Class. Thank you for going beyond gameplay, where humanity is the core mechanic. <laughs>